Welcome to Off the Beat, the podcast that discusses all things law enforcement from a cop's point of view. My name is DJ Seals. I'm a former detective, crime analyst, and SWAT operator from the metro Atlanta area. Now, I currently work for Motorola as a law enforcement consultant, but this podcast will never be about product or sales, and that I promise you. I came up with this idea because I wanted to have a place where we could have a conversation about current police issues without you, my listener, feeling like they were in a sales pitch. I wouldn't listen to that, and I'm sure you wouldn't either. So, before we get going with today's topic, my apologies for being gone so long. Completely unintentional, uh, but as technology goes, it it breaks. (laughs) And if you try to get anything shipped to you uh, quickly lately, you know what I'm talking about. So I got what I needed, got back on the air, and here I am. So I hadn't gone anywhere, had a lot of you hit me up. No, I was not gone. I was just trying to figure out uh, how to make this work again with broken equipment. But we've got it going. Today's topic. Everywhere you go, there you are. What? You know, I thought about that. I was thinking about this topic as these things come to me. And I thought, now where did that come from? Everywhere you go, there you are. I've heard it many times, but it just popped into my head. And I thought, "Mm, let me do some research. And what I found out is, obviously, I didn't make that up. But I thought, well, you know, somewhere in, you know, I don't know, the 1800s. True, it was used in the 1800s, but it goes all the way back to Thomas Akempis in about 1440. (laughs) And then it was used about every hundred years until the 1800s, and then about every decade until just now. Now, we're not going to talk about what they thought it was, other than that somewhere in the 1800s it was listed in a university journal as a funny quip something funny to think about. I wasn't thinking about it from the funny side. Yeah, funny, sure. But I think there's some in there that makes you go, wait a minute, there's something to this. Everywhere you go, there you are. You've heard me say in the past about a lieutenant I had uh, who, but for those of you who haven't heard it, I'm going to repeat it. He had a very large map of the United States in Canada, and Mexico. So a big map. And he had a tiny little pin, the smallest pin he could find, and he had it stuck in our jurisdiction. People would come in and they'd, they'd be, oh, this and oh, that and oh. And he would not say a word. He would just point at the map. Most of them didn't get it. I got it. I thought it was hilarious. What he was telling them was, do you see that pin? That is how small your issues are. There's a whole lot of world left out there that has no idea, no care about your pin in the map. So, well, that's very, very uplifting, DJ. Thank you. The whole world doesn't care about me. No, no, hold on. Let, let me Let me continue as I do here. What I mean is, I've been speaking to a lot of my friends, law enforcement, non-law enforcement, that have changed jobs, changed roles, come to uh, 
the end of the road, if you will, in their current career path. And that's hard. I'll be the first to tell you, as soon as I made the decision to, to leave law enforcement and do what I'm doing now, I, I wasn't sure. So many times our jobs define ourselves, right? They define us. I am this. I am a cop. I am, you know, in fire service. I am a teacher. I am whatever. I am. That's not you. Let's think about that for a minute. What made you good at that job? The core what made you good at it. The core what made you good at it is the core what makes you a good person. If you're a good person. Now, if you're a bad person, just find another podcast. But the core is you. So when I thought about this everywhere you go, there you are, I didn't think about it in a physical state. I thought about it in everywhere you go, there you are. Meaning you make the difference. And so many that come to me, they go, well, you know, I, uh, I, we'll focus on law enforcement. Why? It's a law enforcement podcast, so stick with it. You know, they go, oh, I don't know, man. I mean, uh, it's all I've ever done. It's all I've ever known. It, it, it's all I know how to do. Is it really, though? Or is it all you were comfortable doing? And you know, I'm not going to get off on the, my favorite term uh, of, of consternation is because we've always done it this way. We should keep it up. Yeah, no. But looking at change like that, you look at it as, how am I going to do this job? How am I going to move to this state? How am I going to transition even from, from let's say, one job in public safety to another job in public safety? Oh, I don't know. I, I don't know how they do things, and I don't know how they, and I don't know how this, and I don't know how that. Listen, do you promise to uphold the law? Do you promise uh, to be good to people? Do you promise to be... Um, the type of officer that the community wants, then you got it. Because it all goes back to, to you. Now let's talk about the you. Where did this you come from? Uh, is it you? Is it another you? Is it a multiverse? What is this? Well, the you I'm talking about is the you you became as you grew up. Again, many of you know I've got a I've got a, a son in college. He's 19. I've got another one in just started middle school. He's nearly 12. If I called him 11 and he heard this, he's like, Dad, I'm nearly 12. Yes, you are. But I watch them turn from children into young adults into now adults. And as a parent, I just go, whew, hope I did this right. But then they do things, and you hear about them do things, and you hear about them say things and make decisions many times that you go, ha, huh, we did this right. But not just the parents, but the people around you and, and your teachers and, and your friends, pick a good friend group, kids, and, and all of this help form you into who you 
are, who you are. I talked to a, a, a young guy just the other day, and he called me. His, his, his father is a good friend of mine, and he was looking to put in a resume for, for a job. And uh, he, he said he should, Tommy, my friend, said, well, call DJ see what he says. He sees a lot of resumes, and I do. And I looked at it, and it it was, and, and I won't say his name, but it, it was six pages long. And what he had done is he had thrown everything at it, kitchen sink and all, right? My father used to say he's throw the spaghetti against the wall and see what sticks. And he threw an entire pot of spaghetti against the wall. It wasn't bad. None of it was fluff. But things that were on that resume were like, and he'd been in law enforcement, were like um, patrolled the streets, made arrests. But then he had really cool stuff. Like he was working in evidence and, 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 and working uh, with, with DUI suppression and all this other. It was really cool. And I said to him and I went, you know, look, <clears throat> this resume opens the door to the possibility. It doesn't tell us 100% who you are. It gets you the interview. It gets you the interview. And I said, so it's too long. We need to crunch it down. But what we need to take out of it are the things that are assumed. Assumed. Everywhere you go, there you are. Now, put a pen in that for a minute. I'm getting somewhere, I promise. The assumed in our life. If you're an educator, if you're in public safety, if you're a doctor, uh, I've got a, got a guy just down the street from me. He's a lawyer, and he decided he wanted to be a doctor, so he did that too. And I'm like, well, I'm glad you got that much time. But nonetheless, total switch, right? But the assumed, he had put down things, my friend had put down things on his, his resume that were assumed with the job. We don't need that. We're not looking for that. We're looking for people that anybody's looking for people that are different. Have done things above and beyond. Have gone that extra mile, right? Oh, that's that's very nice. You're using all kinds of terms this time, DJ. But follow me here. If we take the everywhere you go, there you are, then the you should define the different. The you should stand out. And it does. A lot of people tell me, well, I, I'm not really that. I've never really done this. I've never really done. I don't know. What I, and then I just tell them, well, tell me about yourself. Dig in. Tell me what's going on. And you know what? They start telling me things that I've never met anybody who'd done those things before. And I said, why didn't you focus on that? Well, I didn't see that as different. Bingo. Bingo. You didn't see it as different, but it is. Why? Because you took the initiative to jump forward and take that, and that's just, that became your norm. What's norm for a brain surgeon is not norm for me. What's norm for me is not norm for a brain surgeon. We all have something. So, if you're looking to, to transition out, if this, this law enforcement thing is just, you've lost your taste for it. 
then you want to go, but you're scared to go. I'm not saying you should. I'm saying that's your decision. But what I'm saying is it doesn't matter where you go. It matters if you bring you along. What made you good? It, it wasn't that you knew the law. It was that you cared to know the law. It wasn't that you wrote good reports. It was that you cared enough to write good reports. You cared enough to learn, well, how do I bag that evidence properly? You cared enough to take care of your turnout gear. Yes, I'm talking to you, fire personnel. We all know that guy that can't take care of his turnout gear, right? It could stand up on his own if you follow me. But <clears throat> that's what I'm talking about. How do you define that? Well, it's not that hard. First step. Sit quietly for a minute. <laughs> That's going to be the hardest step for most of us. I, I, it's very early in the morning while I'm recording this, as you could probably tell with my voice. Not enough coffee. But as, as I was getting this all cranked up and, and going with the new equipment, I thought, whew, I've got a lot to do today. But I've got to sit down and do this. Because I want to. Because I missed it. But I had to get quiet for a minute. And I've got, I've got my desk, I've got three monitors, I've got this podcaster mic, and I've got all of this density foam so you don't hear a ring in my, I'm recording in an office, not a booth. Wish I had a booth, but I have an office. And what, what got me going? I got quiet, got my head straight, thought about what I wanted to say, then I moved forward. So step one in figuring this out is just be quiet for a minute. Step two, which is the hardest step, it's a very hard step. And I, I, I told the young man with the resume the same thing. I tell anybody who, who comes and, and interviews with me the same thing. And I go, listen, I know most of us don't like to brag. But, but now's the time to brag. So step two is brag on yourself. Step two is go, what? Why did I do that? Why did I want to do that? Why did I spend so much time working on my physical nature to get these insane run times, push-up times, sit-up times? Why did I spend so much time uh, learning intelligence so that I become a certified intelligence officer? Why did I do that? I know. I just heard quite a few of you. Because the chief told me to. Yeah, come on. You could have done it halfway, though. And just gotten by. Chief didn't know what he wanted when he said, I want an intelligence officer. You went further. Find the why. Number three. After you've found the why. Just do it. Ooh, that sounded very tennis shoe. I didn't mean it that way. But what I meant was, well, I meant just do it then just go forth. You know, in, in law enforcement, we, we have these terms, a go bag, right? Um, your, your combat bag, your whatever. Med medical, use the same thing. We've got my go bag. Um, and everything's in that bag, right? That you need or you could need. The you is your bag. 
as long as you take your bag with you, you're still successful because you took you along. It's not the fact that you wore a badge. It's not the fact that you drove an ambulance. It's the fact of how you did those things. That's the you. Look, I look back at my life. I'm going to turn back to coverage just slightly here. <clears throat> I look back at my life and, and, and of all the jobs that I've done, I've been working full time since I was too young to work. <laughs> just I'll say it just too young to work. One of those come do this and I'll give you cash, but like full time as, as long as I can remember. And, you know, it starts out that I want to make a little money. Then it, frankly, for a while there became, I don't know what I want to do. Shoot, I'm, I'm sitting here, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pushing one of them number zero dates in my life. And I'm still kind of just like a kid in a candy store. I'm still looking for new stuff. Not, not a new job per se, but all my all, all the folks work with me work with me right now are going what? No, what I mean is I'm always going ooh look at that ooh I wonder if I could do that I bet I could tr- figure that out. That's just me. I'm hungry for it. But I had two major careers, if you will, in my life. What, the first one might surprise you, then probably won't surprise you. And I'm gonna fig- I'm gonna show you how they two tied together. So when I was first married many eons ago, um, my wife, however, is still 20. Uh, love you, baby. Anyway, as I was married, I needed a job. I actually went to um, the, this place uh, that a buddy of mine owned, and it made shop towels. You know, shop towels. Go to Walmart, go to any other place you find these shop towels, little red ones. And he made those. And I needed a job. I was I was young. Uh, again, just got married. Uh, I had two other jobs, but I, I wanted another job, right? And so why not? So I went out there uh, here in Georgia one August morning. I remember this. And my job was to take these these towels that were in this massive cardboard box. You know, one of those boxes that you go, wow, it takes a pallet jack to pick that thing up. And they were full to the brim. And my job was to reach in, grab a bunch of these towels, take them over and put them in like a washer because they needed to be washed. They were, they were just died, but they needed to be washed. So up and down and up and down, off I go. Obviously I'm in a, I'm in a large warehouse, no air conditioning. It's hot. Uh, but I am just getting it. I'm like, I'm going to move these towels. And I did. And, and, and my arms started itching and I thought, well, well, what's that about? And then finally I looked down and they were bleeding. Good thing I was washing the towels, but I went to my buddy and I'm like, um, I, I need to probably wash this off. And he goes, Oh yeah, you're, you're allergic to the dye. We've seen that before, but I need this job. He goes, that's all I've got right now, and I can't keep you like that. So day one, allergic to the dye. Fantastic. So I went home, and I thought, you know, I've I've always wanted to be on radio. I've always wanted to do that. So I open up the, the, the phone book, and I look through, and... 
there's a local radio station, a local radio station I'd never heard of before, <laughs> but there it is. And I flip through it and I go, bingo, let me call this. So I call them. Now, people go, oh, that's why you talk that way, because you were on radio. Uh, not really. See, I also have a theater degree. Oh, yeah, pulling the covers way back today, folks, to make my point here. And so I've kind of always talked like this. And so I call these people, the station manager, who also was the owner, Tiny Station, answers the phone, says, well, can you come down and talk to me, like, right now? Now, I've literally just gotten home, taking a shower, got these nasty looking arms. And I'm like, uh, okay. So I went down and I talked to her and she goes, well, just so happens we have a gap for our morning show just happened. We need somebody in the morning. Can you start in the morning? Can I start in the morning for the morning show? Yes. And I said, sure. So I went over and I sat down next to the afternoon person because it was afternoon now, almost evening. And I, I learned this board, this radio board. And we're talking like 1950s style. No, it wasn't the 50s. Thank you for the joke. But it was about that style. I mean, turntable and, and carts, which look like eight tracks and big dials and knobs. And oh, my goodness. And I'm writing down like crazy. And she gives me the keys and says, you go on at 6 a.m. Your show's from 6 to 9, the rest of your shift goes to 1, which worked perfectly for my other jobs. So I went, fantastic. Then I went home, and I went, what have I done? There's going to be a bunch of blank air on this radio station. <laughs> but I went in the next morning, and I sat down, and by the way, I'm completely by myself. That uh, Either she trusted or she didn't care, not sure which. But I sat down by myself, I flipped those switches, I turned those dials, and boom. And the next thing you know, I keep going and keep going and keep going. I start working for major radio stations in Atlanta. I start working for, and this sounds like braggadocious, but I work for, let's just say, I work for a lot of stuff that you guys would probably know. Voiceovers and such. And it became fun. Then there became a time where that's all I was doing. I was darn near living at the station. Many nights I was living at the station in Atlanta. And, and you know, and, and my first son was coming along. And it was a long way from home. And I was like, oh, my goodness. And, and I went, okay, it's time for something different. Well, you know, I went to college for this uh, law enforcement thing. Let me try that. <laughs> so, so I did. I applied. I was hired. And... In about, I don't know, less than two years, I became a detective. Now, that's not kosher. That's not normal. How does that happen? What are you kissing butt? No, actually, it turned out that the captain of detectives liked the reports I wrote. They were complete. I was pulling my own evidence. Why? I don't know. I figured it was the right thing to do. And he put me up there. And then all of a sudden, I became like the person who could get people to confess. Well, why is that? Then, I, then all of a sudden I said, wait, 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 wait. These tie together. You see, I was in this, I was in this theater for a while, right? Ooh, theater guy. And, and then he did radio, and which is like acting. And, and, and then I went into law enforcement. And, and next thing you know, this is how I talk. If any of you have met me in person, this is how I talk. This is how I teach. If you've read my blogs online, I write my blogs like I speak. 
English teacher would have a stroke. But I realized that people would talk to me because I was talking to them in, in a way that they felt comfortable. Now, maybe some of that was acting, depending on the person, sure. But most of it wasn't. But the point being is, all of that tied together. Would I have been a good, as good a detective, as good an interviewer, had I not had the experience of, of theater and radio and being in front of people and just, and, and all of that? There could be a lot of people in the room. I mean, I did one presentation one year to everybody. It was 1,000, 2,000, however many people were in there, right? And, and because of my background, it doesn't bother me. I could be in front of 10,000 people. I could be in front of one. It's the same. I could be, it's the same as when I'm sitting right here at my desk, nobody here talking to you. They tie together. Would I have been as good? I don't think so. Because life experiences make the you. The job does not. We take little packets from each job with us. We take experiences. We, 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 we build ourselves up. We say all the time, knowledge, skills, and experience. Well, how did you know that, detective? Through my knowledge, skills, and experience. What's well, a nice way of saying, because I've been doing this a while. <laughs> and I took a lot of classes. And I have a lot of certifications. And no, that's not what that says. What it says is, I care enough to care enough to care enough about this job. And for those of you who are looking and thinking, or maybe you're coming to that retirement age and you're like, I'm not ready to stop, but man, I don't know. Maybe I'll just retire and come right back in as a civilian. I just, uh, er, uh, I don't know. You do what you're led to do. But let me say, what you've created in yourself is the you I'm talking about. And you take that with you in that little bag and you apply that to any job, any job. And it, it doesn't matter if you know the job or not. You can learn the skills. It's the you. I just recently hired some new folks. And, and a lot of them are trying to learn a lot of stuff. I mean, there's a lot to learn. And I tell them, don't get worried about that. We have very educated people around here that will help you learn the stuff. I hired you for you. I hired you for the person you are, for the experiences you've had, how you handle yourself, how you deal with other people. That's why I hired you. I didn't hire you because you were turnkey. And I certainly didn't hire you because you were like me. One different people. But I hired you for you. So think more on that and understand that if it is time for you to go, like many of my friends and, and, and those who are listening know who I'm talking to, wherever you go, there you are. If you are a successful person, if you're a kind person, if you're a person, people go, I like that person. That person does a good job. That person cares about what they do. That person goes above and beyond. That's you. And you really can't fail anywhere you go.
Everywhere you go, there you are. But don't forget to take you along. All right, let's switch gears now. Stupid criminals. I've had these for quite a while because I actually tried to do this podcast mm, a while ago. Didn't work. Uh, so, mm, I'm, I, I just can't wait. A Burger King employee. Why not start at fast food with cr- stupid criminals? Why not? A Burger King employee was arrested after she allegedly pointed a gun. Okay, I'm going to say this again just so you understand. A Burger King employee was arrested after she, the employee, she pointed a gun at a customer who was upset at an incorrect order that happened to be on New Year's Day. The incident happened at a store in Memphis. The victim told police that she was in the drive-thru and complained about the order to an employee who was responded by yelling and cursing at her. Another employee at the store, identified as JD, <clears throat> no, it, it wasn't it wasn't me, flip around, said that the employee taking the order was the manager of the store and that the victim refused to leave the store after being asked. Quote, my boss asked her to leave and she wouldn't leave. According to police, the manager went outside and pointed a handgun at the angry customer. A witness told police that they later saw the manager put the gun inside a paper bag and hand it to a woman who left the Burger King. That's right. Get rid of the evidence. Problem is... Uh, you didn't do a very good job of hiding it. Mm-hmm. A representative for the fast food chain, <coughs> lawyers, which um, does not allow employees to carry weapons, said that uh, she was fired after the incident. <coughs> we take safety and security of everyone at our restaurants very seriously. This behavior does not reflect our expectations. The franchise is fully cooperating with them, blah, 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 blah. The manager was arrested and charged with aggravated assault. Uh, be nice to Burger King people. Okay. A bank employee in North Carolina could face decades in prison after FBI investigators say he stole thousands of dollars from a vault and posted photos of the cash on social media. According to a release from the United States Attorney's Office, Western District Office of North Carolina, ooh, put that on a business card, 29-year-old Arlando Henderson had access to the vault of the bank where he worked and systematically stole more than 88000 bucks. He was indicted last week. According to the indictment, Henderson stole cash from the vault on at least 18 different occasions in 2019. He stole the money from the deposits made by other customers and used the funds to finance his luxury lifestyle, which included a 20,000 down payment on a new Mercedes. Henderson is also accused of falsifying bank documents in order to obtain a car loan, that car loan, for the remaining balance on the vehicle. On numerous days in which Henderson stole money, he also made cash deposits at an ATM near his worksite. This guy is stupid. It is further alleged in the indictment that Henderson destroyed certain documents and made or caused others to make false entries in the bank books. Man, I'm just thinking about the charges on this dude. During the time that he was allegedly robbing the bank, Henderson posted photos of himself holding up stacks of cash. <laughs> the po- All right, let me take a breath. The post said, I make it look easy, but it's uh, really a process. Process. Henderson is charged with two counts of financial institution fraud, 19 counts of theft, embezzlement, and misapplication, and 12 counts of making false entries. The charges carry a maximum of 30 years in prison. 
I, I'm imagining, I don't know the date on this, but I imagine he's in prison. And let's just imagine for a moment that, that he's listening to us, okay, right now. Um, excuse me, Mr. Henderson. <clears throat> I hope you're going through some type of classes in prison that can help you, like, find a class that says how not to be an idiot because you were an idiot many times. And finally today, a South Dakota mother got four speeding tickets in less than three hours, including one for going 112 miles an hour. What? what? Hmm. Loretta Lacey raced 525 miles from Sioux Falls, South Dakota to Racine, Wisconsin to make it to her granddaughter's middle school dance. Oh, she was missing the dance. Lacey was first pulled over by a state trooper doing 112 and ticketed for speeding, having no proof of insurance, and possession of marijuana. See, for a minute there, you were feeling sorry for her. Just for a minute, you were feeling sorry for her. I, listen, I also learned something here. Um, in Minnesota, apparently, I'm, I'm guessing, uh, yeah, wherever this was, uh, it, it's apparently legal to drive with no insurance because... He let her go, she kept going, got a speeding ticket for going 99, and two more for going 88. With all the unplanned stops, Lacey didn't make it to the dance on time. Oh, man. Sorry, Lacey. Uh, by the way, probably not good to be going 112 miles an hour with no insurance and smoking pot. And one more for you. I'll throw another one in. A thief who stole a brand new Corvette convertible from a dealership in San Diego in 1989 finally came clear. Wait, back up. Did you say 1989? You're going way deep on these. No, 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 no. This is a pretty recent story. So go back in your mind for a minute. So hold on. Stole a Corvette convertible from a dealership in San Diego in 89. Finally came clean after it became too expensive to store the Corvette. Police recovered the stolen car from the storage facility and found that the cherry red Corvette had nearly never been driven, had 67 miles on it. And one detective said, must have been a car guy like me, still had that new car smell on the inside. San Diego police said the man did not face charges since he cooperated with police. Police estimate that over two decades, he paid, get this, $70,000 for the storage space. That's right, folks. He stole it, got so scared that he drove it to a storage facility and just left it there. I'm guessing because a, a Corvette in 1989 did not cost $70,000. So I'm guessing because they figured, well, he'd already paid $70,000 in fines. <laughs> and more than likely the dealership went, wait a minute. We have a 1989 Corvette with 67 miles on it, and you're bringing it back to us? Yeah, you can let him go. Because that Corvette's going to be worth a little bit now. Mm-hmm. <sighs> it felt good to get back with you. It really did. Listen, as we go along this journey together, I may say some things you don't agree with, or maybe you do agree with me, or have a topic you'd like me to cover. Maybe you have a funny police story. I encourage you to email me at offthebeat.com at MotorolaSolutions.com to give me your thoughts and ideas. And check out my Twitter page at DJ underscore off the beat. Until next time, stay diligent, stay educated, and stay safe.